This is Ari Kaplan, and I'm speaking today with David Perla and Sanjay Kamlani, the co-founders of Pangea3, a leading legal industry outsourcing firm that Thomson Reuters acquired in 2010, who have recently established 1991 Group, an advisory business with an investment arm focused on legal, outsourcing and offshoring, and services that assist technology-focused companies. Hi, gentlemen. How are you? Great. Good morning. I'm looking forward to speaking with you both today. So, David, let's start with you. Can you tell us about your background and the genesis of 1991 Group? Absolutely. I was a lawyer by training and became an entrepreneur in 2004 when I co-founded Pangea 3 with Sanjay. We built that business into a 650-person, $35 million revenue business before selling it to Thomson Reuters and stayed there through 2012. And most recently, I ran the uh, legal division and Bloomberg Law, which are, which are part of Bloomberg BNA and, and uh, the Bloomberg uh, media business. Left there in November of 2016, and Sanjay and I decided uh, as longtime business partners, uh, entrepreneurs, that we wanted to go back into business together both to work on our own businesses and, and also to help other businesses in the legal outsourcing and, and tech-enabled spaces. Sanjay, is your background similar to David's? It is quite similar. I uh, also am a lawyer by training, and after several years of uh, practicing international tax, I became an entrepreneur uh, co-founding a business called Office Tiger, uh, outsourcing word processing services and other support services for law firms and, and banks uh, before David and I got together to uh, set up Pangea 3. I uh, lived in India during the time that we were building Pangea 3 uh, and then relocated back to the U.S. in 2014 uh, and have been advising private equity firms uh, involved with offshoring professional support services as well as advising businesses in the United States about building captive offshore units uh, or getting involved in legal outsourcing. So, Sanjay, why is there so much interest in supporting legal technology and services lately? There's a demand from clients to, uh, to have law firms use technology to be more efficient and get a, you know, to get the result that they want taking advantage of technologies that other industries are taking advantage of uh, so that the uh, legal service costs come down and the result is more effective. So whether it's using artificial intelligence or using other tools that drive efficiency, there's an expectation from, from clients of law firms uh, that, that those technologies are implemented to achieve better results. David, where do you see the most promise in this sector? Within legal technology or, or the legal startup space, I think there are really two, two areas. I tend to orient everything, Ari, by the client focus. So if I look at, at law firms, uh, and I'll, uh, in this case, really large law firms, uh, I think what they're looking for are tools that really help them do what they do. So Sanjay and I recently visited uh, with the CEO of, of one of the biggest firms in, in New York City. It's an AMLAW 20, and, and the same day had lunch with a partner at, at one of the biggest firms in the world in New York. And both said the same thing, which is 
they're inundated with tools, they're inundated with, re with, with requests to try things. What they really needed was tools that, thought, that were obvious in their application that helped lawyers do what they do better. So uh, my clients and Sandra's clients always joke, value proposition should be either cheaper, better, faster. Um, the lawyers want to be able to do their work better and they want it to be faster. They know change is coming, um, but the tools, frankly, have to be better than they are. They need to be more complete. So that's on the large law front. On the in-house front, um, they, they need tools that are somewhat broader and they need solutions that are broader, um, which is why, interestingly, some of our clients in the, in the, that are themselves consultants are finding uh, great success within law departments because those law departments need help figuring out what technologies and what tools to buy. They cannot buy nearly as many solutions as a law firm can because legal departments are, are relatively um, sub-scale. Uh, so they're looking for breadth and they're looking for things that really all tie together that help them triage so they can determine what should be done in-house, what should go outside, what should be done by a, a non-law firm vendor into the department. There's a third category we don't really play in as much, uh, but, but, but we do respect, which is the small law firm space. There's an awful lot going on there, um, particularly around law practice management, and I think um, you'll see a lot more about that. It tends not to be an area that I focus on just because my expertise is large law and, and, and in-house departments from the client side. Sanjay, what do you look for in a prospective investment? When I look at an investment, the first thing I think about is, is, is there a real problem that the uh, entrepreneur is trying to solve? And as opposed to they have a really good idea and they've, they've come up with some kind of technology that sounds really interesting, but it's not necessarily solving a problem anyone has. So first I look, is there a real problem? And then does the solution that the entrepreneur has developed actually effectively address that problem? And, and then the third, third thing is, is the market ready to buy that solution? Uh, whether it's because do they have, how do they think about budget who's the real buyer in the organization, whether it's a law firm or in-house counsel department, uh, and are they thinking about that problem today that's enough top of mind uh, where they're ready to allocate uh, budget? And then, and then the, last, the last piece is, can this team execute? Do they have the breadth and scope uh, to address all of the key components that an organization needs to actually execute, develop the solution get out into the market, and actually sell their solution that addresses the problem. So, David, you're on the board of Integrion as well as other organizations. How do you divide your time? It's a great question, and I, I spend a fair bit of time, I would say, uh, each week looking out over the next, uh, call it three to four weeks, and, and then in any given weekend I'm looking and making sure that my week is allocated properly. Um, for each of the organizations that, that we serve, and, and Sanjay has the same um, parameters around the advisory engagements he's undertaken, there's an expectation of some amount of time either per week or per month. We, we Neither of us bills by the hour, and we're very clear with our clients about that. We tend to say it will be a day a month or, 
or uh, a week per month or, or some percentage of our professional time. And so we're constantly allocating that. Uh, we're also very upfront with our clients and saying, hey, here's what my week is going to look like. Are you going to need to talk? So today, for example, I had been in active touch with uh, one of my clients, which, which provides a very deep dive diligence for, for lateral hires at law firms. Um, knowing they need to speak late in the day, I left the end of the day open. So here we are talking in the morning. The end of my day was left open, and, and they just sent me a note saying, could, how late could I speak? I suggested 4.30 to 5.30, which is when we're going to speak. That's a fairly typical, you know, simple solution. Some of the more difficult ones are where I need to be uh, at a client in a particular location for two days a week, as I often do. If another client needs to talk to me, I often will, my clients understand, I'll have to sometimes take a call from their facility for another client. So the, the key for, I think, Sanjay and me is, is to be very transparent about it. And the other thing is we will never take on engagements that overlap in any way. So, um, you know, I, I sit on, on two boards of directors, on two advisory boards, and, and have multiple other engagements. They're all in businesses that are different uh, so that I can, I, I'm never effectively uh, helping one client compete against another. Sanjay, how much of an active role do you play in your portfolio companies? You know, there's quite a range of, of the, the level of role that I play with the portfolio companies. Some, uh, some of them are, in fact, passive uh, because the entrepreneurs uh, are at a point where they are comfortable with their ability to take the business forward. Uh, in other cases, though, there's a range of involvement uh, that you know has gone anywhere from weekly meetings, monthly meetings, uh, or semi-annual meetings, and getting getting involved with the business, uh, whether it has to do with uh, operational execution or uh, helping a business figure out issues around uh, marketing, business development, and growth. Uh, and sometimes it's also about management. How do you manage your, the team, grow that team, uh, bring on the right people for the organization? Uh, often first-time entrepreneurs uh, need some guidance in terms of who does it make sense to bring on at what time, at what time in you know, the life cycle of the organization. Uh, so, again, depending on where they are in, in their growth, uh, the level of involvement can be quite, quite different. David, you mentioned being on some boards and having some portfolio groups. How do you determine what types of businesses to advise? Both Sanjay and I tend to look at businesses that meet two criteria. First, do think these have the opportunity to be very high growth as opposed to operational businesses or, or turnarounds? So uh, I can publicly talk about many of them. You, uh, HBR Consulting is a, is a client. Um, Decipher, who I mentioned, uh, which does deep dive uh, due diligence, obviously the Integrity on board. In each of these cases, these businesses are growing very, very fast, and they're looking for uh, either my expertise or Sanjay's expertise in helping that growth in, in a variety of areas. So that's one is, is will, are they high growth? And the second is, is there something about them where, where we believe we can provide value to them uh, 
beyond just we've been through this and therefore know how to do this. So something either the industry is one where we're familiar with it or um, our expertise lends itself disproportionately to that business uh, because of where they are. So interestingly, those businesses I just named are all in very, very different stages of their growth, and they're all very different in terms of, in terms of revenue. But in each of those cases, uh, one or both of us have an expertise that makes us uniquely situated to help them grow. Uh, we tend not to want to take on engagements where it's just functional, where it's just, hey, we need help, so what, what you would think of as a traditional consulting role, task-oriented consulting. So Sanjay, where do you see the legal industry headed, especially in light of your extensive experience and the different aspects of the industry that you're involved in? It's interesting, Ari. You know, you can read uh, lots of articles uh, where, where people will talk about disruption and a complete transformation of the legal industry and talking about artificial intelligence and the elimination of, uh, of lawyers uh, from, from quite a number of tasks. In, in the legal industry, I think, to the contrary, what the industry will look like in the future is uh, largely the way it appears today with, you know, when you dig deep, you'll see better utilization of technology, you'll see improved efficiency, uh, that, that's the kind of evolution that you see in other industries. Um, what is happening today is lawyers are, are learning to utilize technology to get a better result, uh, to be more efficient, to give clients more transparency and visibility into how something's done and into results that before may not have even been possible through a manual, uh, manual effort. Uh, but I don't think you're going to see some kind of dramatic transformation that uh, changes the way the industry appears today. This is Ari Kaplan speaking with David Perla and Sanjay Kamlani, the co-founders of Pangea 3, a leading legal industry outsourcing firm that Thomson Reuters acquired in 2010, who have recently established 1991 Group, an advisory business with an investment arm focused on legal, outsourcing and offshoring, and services that assist technology-focused companies. Gentlemen, thanks so much. Thanks, Ari.